Excellent. You are, you just have a, obviously I 100% am grateful for you doing this because I value you so much for your knowledge and what you brought to the CrossFit community. Um, You know, knowing that, you know, when I first got my level one, it, it was kind of like, I don't think that they, I don't want to say they demonized endurance training, but it was almost looked at like the fringe athlete. And I think people became almost conditioned to fear that endurance training because they were afraid it was going to like steal their gains and and all that stuff. And then you came onto the scene and there were some other people before you a little bit like Brian McKenzie and stuff, but uh, you were really the one that really took it to the next level and really, you know, were able to kind of work with some of the high end athletes, obviously starting with Jason Khalifa. Um, and to be able to kind of, so, like I said, I'm going to keep this super casual. I'll probably, you know, if you want me to edit a little bit at the beginning here, but, um, but yeah, so I'm going to open up the floor to you. Um, first off, I just want to introduce you. Uh, and I just wrote down a couple of things, but I, and I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but I want people to understand that you are, you have a resume, you know, you're not just a coach, you're an athlete yourself. And, you know, I mean, I think you said you have a still have a mile time of like five minutes and at 56 years old, probably training for God knows how long. So, uh, I mean, if you want to just give a quick little background on you, but, you know, a couple of things I wrote down is like 10 times Ironman competitor, multiple games athlete championship. I, I'm sure it's been updated more since your website. So I think it's at 30 something, but I think you're probably well above that now. Um, and really, I want to put you as like the CrossFit aerobic capacity expert. Like that's who you are in this space and that's transferred over to so many things. So anything else you want to add there? <laughs> um, no, I think that that summarizes it. I'm yeah, definitely a coach, but uh, I still consider myself an athlete. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I do focus a lot of effort within the CrossFit space and it is nice that CrossFit HQ recognized me uh, as a contributor and wanted to partner up with uh, the aerobic capacity course. Uh, that was very complimentary when, when you know, really the mothership recognizes the work and the contribution um, because I come from a space of gratitude. I mean, I, you know, I've been doing CrossFit since 2008 and the sport of triathlons with all the volume, uh, the years of that work, it just created um, a substantial number of neglected muscle groups. And it's nice to become functional again, thanks to what you know, Greg Glassman created. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I work with a lot of cross or, uh, triathlon athletes in my nutrition coaching, and it's definitely something. Um, so topics today that I kind of wanted to really go into with you is, you know, the main thing is a lot of CrossFitters are, there, there's a lot of buzzwords right now about zone two training. Um, and obviously, that's the main thing that I want to start with is that is that's this becoming the new thing is, is everybody's just kind of like adding this volume in. And I think it's an easy way for people that want to do more to be like, I'm just going to do some zone two training and like hitting my zone two training session. And I I want to start by having you kind of talk a little bit about this zone two training and application to CrossFitters, not just those of us going to the games, but the ones that are like in the gen pop and they're in the gym and they're trying to be fitter. Uh, If you want to give any, uh, you know, a little bit of a talk on that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I'm sorry. I think that uh, zone two, you're right. It's a big buzzword today. And I like that. I mean, I like the fact that low intensity, longer time domains are being recognized as contributing value. I think that that's great. Um, but first, let's for the, the the audience. I mean, identifying what specifically is zone two, and and how would you define it? Um, zone two. I think that Maffetone 
really does a great job in defining zone two, simple. It's 180 minus your age if you are less than average fitness. And if you're more than average fitness, you can say it's 185 minus your age. Uh, zone two is what I call aerobic threshold or easy pace. It is what we consider to be a sustainable intensity. Um, and this is a, an intensity where you can have a continuous conversation with somebody side by side with you in a zone two type of a workout. Um, if we were going to call it like rate of perceived exertion, it would probably be on the scale of in a one to 10 RPE scale, it would be somewhere in that three range. Um, the purpose of it is to um, really it, it, to improve your ability to, to utilize fat as a fuel. Um, and that's one of the things that, that people don't realize is that when you put on more intensity into your workout, you become carb dominant burning, as you know. And, and one of the things about easy intensity or zone two does is that it's really supposed to be a blend of 50% of your fuel is coming from fat and 50% of it's coming from carbohydrates. And at this particular intensity, it's really targeting a maximal number of slow twitch muscle fibers. And your slow twitch muscle fibers are really uh, your recovery muscle fibers, your stamina muscle fibers, um, as well as you know your what we call um, endurance uh, fibers. And so there is a, a substantial number of reasons why it needs to be included. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that people just look at zone two as that's the objective. What athletes need to recognize is that when we train, yes, we, we do look at intensity and we are determining zone two based upon heart rate intensity. Uh, we can also judge it based upon, you know, the, the, the energy requirement to contract uh, the muscle groups, you know, your metabolic pathways. Well, that's great, but we also, when we train, we're also having to create adaptation in the muscle fiber. And so when people talk about zone two, one of the issues that I, I have is that they're ignoring the muscles. So here's an example. Let's just say that you want to do a zone two run workout. And what you want to do is your zone two, let's just say is a heart rate of 150. And so your objective is, is to stay at a heart rate of 150 zone two the entire time. So let's say that your workout, you want to do it for 30 minutes. So at the start of this workout, you're fresh. Your, your energy levels are high. Uh, all the metabolic um, fuel tanks are topped off. Um, you're, you're feeling good. Now, as you progress into this 30 minute workout at a heart rate of 150, fatigue begins to develop. We can call that fatigue, you know, draining of, of certain metabolic, you know, pathways, or it could be just stamina related. Well, as you progress deeper into this 30 minutes, that fatigue continues to build and build and build what happens to that starting speed as you progress deeper into that workout? Does it stay the same just as your target heart rate or does that fatigue actually build 
And if you propose that you're going to stay at zone two, that 150 heart rate, then your speed is going to fall. So essentially what you're doing at the start of a zone two 30 minute workout is you're training yourself to hurt at a 150 heart rate, right? That's your level of, of pain and you're moving fast. But at the end, you still ex experience the same level of pain, same heart rate, but your muscles have learned to go slow. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And so athletes need to recognize that if they're doing a zone two workout, what's the purpose behind it? Like this is where athletes have to take some ownership. I don't get it. What should I do when my muscles start to fatigue? Do I ignore my heart rate and maintain my speed, my intensity based upon how fast I'm running? And in that case, my heart rate's going to climb. Well, that also defeats the purpose of the workout. The purpose was is to keep your heart rate at that low intensity. So the answer is, and I'm just going to cut straight to it. The answer is the purpose of zone two training is, is to, to focus on time. That's the goal. You're trying to put time on your feet. You're trying to put time on the bike, time on the rower. That's what you're trying to do. This is not about intensity. So athletes that are out of shape really should be targeting this zone too and enjoy being out of shape because the true suffering will ultimately come. So don't change the intent of a zone two by making it more painful as you get deeper into the workout. As soon as you see your heart rate start to climb at a particular speed, then you need to stop and allow the body to recover. It doesn't matter if you're stopping and walking or stopping and resting because the overall purpose is time on your feet. That's the goal. Add a specific metabolic pathway or heart rate and a particular speed. So my recommendation, I love it. I Oops, lagged up. I love zone two, but recognize me. Sorry? You, you lagged up you a little bit. I did. You said, I love it. And I'm like, oh, I was like, oh. the fire's coming. And he's like, I love it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, I do. I For me, I love zone two. I love that people are talking about it. But what we must recognize is that we're trying to train our intensity, which could be heart rate, the metabolic pathways, as well as muscle fiber. Okay. So when we want to focus on zone two, remember that we're focusing on time. Time is the purpose of these workouts, not intensity. So if you need to stop and rest, if you need to stop and walk, then there's nothing wrong with it because it's going to allow your body to stay within that purpose of the workout. Yeah. And this is where, again, athletes have to take that ownership piece. They need to go back and start asking questions and not just make an assumption because you're defeating the purpose of those types of workouts. If you end up finding yourself tired and go, man, I got to maintain my same speed. And then all of a sudden your heart rate ends at an extremely high number at the end. And you think you did good when in fact, you know what, you just ruined the workout and you created very little adaptation. Yeah, I 100%. I think that that was well said. And just I loved it. 
Do you ever find just really quickly um, that you have athletes on the opposite end of the spectrum where maybe their effort is greater? And this is something for me experiencing is sometimes I'll find that I have to like my heart rate stays lower, even though my effort may be higher. And I might, maybe that's just the machine building, the, the lactic, whatever that, does it, do you ever have that issue happen on the opposite end of the spectrum? Yeah. So that's a sign. Um, and, and I, as an athlete, I experience that frequently and it's a sign when I feel like I'm working hard and I'll look down and I'll, I'll look at my watch and I'm like, poof, heart rate's really low. And that isn't one of the initial signs of overtraining. There you go. That you believe that you're working hard and it feels like you're working hard, but in fact, you're not. Um, and that is a sign that your muscles are just genuinely fatigued or your neurological system um, is just zapped because of some prior very high intensity workout. That's why it's really interesting to me that, that you know, the body and the signals it sends and there's a tendency to not pay attention to it. But, you know, here's an interesting thing that I've, I've, I've talked about before. In every workout, there's that point where you want to slow down, where all of a sudden this uh-oh moment kicks in near about two-thirds of the way through, but somewhere in that final five, four, three minutes remaining where it's like, man, you can't keep going at this. Just back off a little bit, get a little closer to the finish. And then maybe what we can do is accelerate and bring it to the finish line. Why does that occur in workouts? So if you think about running four laps around the track as fast as you possibly can, why do you want to slow down in that third lap? Yeah. Why then? Why not in the second? And the reason why is because your brain, which is responsible for the recruitment of your muscle fibers, and what it's doing is, is it's measuring your level of fatigue and relating it to the remaining distance. And if you don't have a game plan, then your brain more than likely in that third lap is going to be surprised by your level of fatigue and saying, hey, man, if you don't shut it down, we're not going to finish. You're going way too fast. We're hurting. And so that doubt, the reason why it creeps into your head in that moment is because, in fact, you are dying. You are going into a non-sustainable pace, a pace above your lactate threshold intensity. You essentially are in what we would call that death zone intensity, like if you were climbing Mount Everest. Yeah. You are dying. And that's what the brain is telling you. That's why it kicks in, in those very unique moments. The problem is, is that people aren't listening to what the body's telling you. Yeah. That's why elite athletes are elite because they know when the body says these things, how to interpret it. And that's the key. Well, and I honestly think this is why people get scared of CrossFit is because they feel that and they think that that's how they're supposed to feel. And that yeah. they have to like, keep feeling that. No, 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 no. As a athlete myself, like we know you got to throttle back. And I'm just picturing you right now because I just finished your 5k program and that was mm -hmm. me. And I haven't ran a 5k that hard in, I don't know how long, but I'm like, this is the part where it hurts, the part where it hurts. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that. So um, I obviously don't want to take up too much of your time. So I want to kind of keep going uh, with the zone two training. Um, how, how often, um, how would you, in your terms, how would you apply this to the, the regular cross? They're looking to add this into their, 
their training regimen, you know, on a week, on a weekly basis? So what I always recommend is you should be doing two outside the gym workouts or cardio based workouts, workouts that are more focused on time at easier intensities. So zone two is where you would apply it. Now, why outside? Because usually within the gym is where we see the high intensity, the yep. speed workouts, the power based workouts, the high force workouts, the heavy lifting workouts. And what you always must do is create balance because inside of everybody that everybody, we have slow twitch fibers and fast twitch fibers. And if you always just go fast, if you always just lift heavy, then what you're doing is neglecting your slow twitch fibers. And in the average person, the average, I'm not talking about on the spectrum, the people that go to the Olympics, the ones that sit in the middle have a balanced ratio, a 50-50 ratio of fast and slow. So if you're always going into the gym and going hard in short time domains, then essentially you're developing those fast twitch fibers. But more importantly, you're leaving 50% of your available capacity on the table. And if you don't train something, it's just not available. So this balance is what is going to provide you full body adaptation. I love it. I love it. And I think that people, if they realize that where you're starting, like you mentioned, the walking part of it is mm -hmm. zone two improves your fitness. Like you're not going to mm -hmm. have to walk zone two forever. It's going to improve. And I think people are so conditioned to look at the strength training progressions of percentages off of that. And it's the other topic that I want to talk about is like, there's a completely untapped potential for people to understand the progressions of building aerobic base and aerobic capacity. And that, you know, like with you and your pacing, like when I, when I talked to some people at the gym, when I was helping them out with their paces, I'm like, Hey, this is what Hinshaw does. Like, let me show you how to do this. Like every hundred meters is where I want you to be. I remember him being like, if you're a second faster, you're too fast. Like, and I yeah. still to this day, keep that. And I value that because, you know, people don't understand that you can calculate paces and in the beginning, it's going to feel like you're not working hard, but mm -hmm. that fourth round, you're going to be like, whoa, fatigue just caught up with me and it hurts a little bit more, but because, right. no, you know, so the other thing that I really, and you don't have to touch too much on it, but the pacing for building better CrossFit workouts, right? Like, like you said, CrossFitters are so conditioned like, <clears throat> the workout says 21, 15, nine for time. And it's like, how hard can I go? And it's like hundred burpees or it's, it's a, it's a, a mile run into 40 wall balls, you know, knowing your paces and how people should be also applying paces to their workouts into their training and building maybe some of that kinds of stuff into their, into their routine as well. So anything you want to add on what I just said? So that's a really good subject. I, I mean, a lot of CrossFitters struggle with this. What if, what, if, how do you know if what your strategy in a workout, if you've never done it before? And for example, we know we don't pace everything. So like if I asked you to do a 10 second sprint, you're not gonna pace it. Right. So the real question is, is that how do you know when to pace? Well, it's based upon the total amount of estimated time that it's gonna take you to complete the workout. And if you encounter a workout that you think is going to last three minutes or longer, then you have to pace it. Pacing it means that you don't have unlimited energy to just take it out fast and, and be confident that you're going to bring it home. 
If you go out hot in a, in a three minute or longer workout, you're going to die. More than likely, you may end up putting your hands on your knees in a hinge position. And so the goal is number one, add up the estimated amount of time. What makes the elites elite is that they're really good at it. So write it down beforehand and then compare your before and after time and work on it. Now, when you add up that total amount of time, the longer duration workouts are going to be at an easier intensity. Remember, the time dictates your intensity. And so what you're doing is, is that you're looking at that time because that's going to dictate your sustainable pace that sits in the middle of the workout. So in pacing workouts, there's three speeds. There's the beginning, there's the end, and then there's the bulk, which we just talked about that sits in the middle. So at three, two, one, go, we have a phosphagen energy system that we wanna explode and we wanna move for about 10 seconds at that high rate of speed and try and settle down into our sustainable intensity that's based upon the duration of the workout. And what we're going to do is stay just below what we call that maximum sustainable pace. Now, how do you know what that is? There is no formula for it. And that's what makes CrossFit tough is that you have to know it by feel. If you go above it, you're not gonna continuously communicate. You're not, you're gonna be able to say about two sentences, maybe three, and then you're gonna need air. You're certainly not gonna be nasal breathing at this point. For some that are very sensitive, it almost tastes like blood when you go above that level, copper, you know, orange and lemon peels, but it really tastes like a blood. You wanna stay below that until when? Until you get to the third part, the end, which is the fastest portion of a pacing workout because the end, your goal is to drain all of your available energy. And if you time it right, you deplete all of that available energy just as you cross the finish line. So this is where a lot of people, they get stuck. So when we talked earlier in this, this conversation about, um, you know, where, when the brain hits that uh-oh moment where you have that urge of slowing down, and that's the point where you now, the brain's told you, you've entered a non-sustainable pace. You want to actually time that right where your ending is. So let's just say it's four laps around the track. You want to time that at the end of the third lap where the brain says, man, you got to shut it down. We're never going to finish. And so with about two minutes to go, you intentionally decide to go into that non-sustainable pace. This is the fastest portion, but this is where as athletes, it's very difficult because this is where you're suffering the most and every urge in your body is saying, slow down. Mm -hmm. But this is where you got to take a risk because this is where the high value, the bread and butter, the juice of a workout sits. This is where adaptation occurs. You got to be courageous. You got to be courageous from that uh-oh moment until you bring it home. Yeah. So there's that. The, if, if the, really the overall strategy is athletes, number one, you got to look out a workout, estimate your total time. The time dictates your intensity. There's always th three speeds in a pacing workout, the beginning, the middle, and the end. The end's the fastest, the middle is the slowest, and then the start sits right in between those two. You also have to determine where is that uh-oh moment, where the workout gets real, where you wanna quit. You need to determine where that is because that's the time to bring it home. That's the time to take a risk, all right?
I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And, and I think that just to kind of like piggyback on that one last thing, cause like I said, I just finished your 5k thing is you're, it's cool how you're programming. Cause I'm going to put it, your aerobic capacity is so good at teaching people these things. Cause the week before we did that 5k, we did some 300 meter mm-hmm. repeats. It was like 300 meters really fast. And then like, I think it was a hundred meters it was supposed to be the same walk. It was yep. Matt Frazier. You gave the analogy of, of it when you were <laughs> and I remembered that workout in the last 300. And I'm like, you know what, Cheryl, you did that. You can do this in this last 300 and you can go a little bit faster. And yep. that was like the muscle memory that people don't realize if you do the paced workouts, when you're building a progressive program, if you want to improve these things, you will remember those things, but you were also going to remember the dying factor if you don't learn how to overcome that as well. So thanks. well said, yeah. wow. well, well said. Can I ask you about those? So did you like the way that those were structured? I mean, we had over 2000 people doing that. And did you like the way the paces were, were all personalized? And 100%. I love it. Yeah. Um, I think it's really good for me because sometimes I will, I'm a CrossFitter. I might yeah. go too hard. Um, I also sometimes will go too easy. So it was good to have numbers to shoot for. Um, I was just shy of your pace for me. And I was like, ooh. But for me, that was like over a two minute PR on a 5K on the air runner. I've never run a 5K that fast. On so oh, for with what I what I estimated um, as far as your 5K potential time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 that's also really difficult to do because there's so hard. many assumptions. But yeah. you know what? I'll tell you what I do that is different than what other people write. And you know, I did an assessment there of you as well. It's in the tool. Yeah. Um, of what type of training you need. So if you went back and to you your spot on, sheet. you were spot on without even knowing me, like personally. I am a. I am. I am always going to be a more enduring athlete than a speed athlete. Like. I'm the girl that can cycle a barbell at 90% of her max, but can't PR like that's I love it. hundred percent. You were spot on. And it's like, I already have been starting to think about that, but yes, I loved it. This is the second or third one that I liked. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, those things take me a long time to write, but I write the workouts in a way where I can paint a picture for the athlete. At the end of it all, I'm, I'm actually writing the workouts to collect pieces of information like that 200 for time and then looking at the 400 and does it actually match up with what it needs to be? And then the mile at the end, like these things are written in a way where I want the athlete that makes the investment to walk away with something that explains uh, really the inner workings of themselves. And the problem is, is that for adults, we don't realize that life has beaten us down. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like, you know, you may be crushing it at work and all of that. <laughs> That's not it. Uh, what The things that you own, like you're an expert in nutrition yeah. and people own their own nutrition. And so when work, like they say, why didn't you turn this project in earlier? How come you don't have more sales numbers? Where's your client base? How come blah, 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 blah. Those things, those negatives, where they surface in adults is fitness and it surfaces in their, their nutrition because you own those. And that's why I wanted that to be a picture of like, this is who you are. And I don't even know who you are, but this is what your numbers tell me. Here's your potential. Yeah. I loved it. And I also PR'd my mile time. I've never ran a six minute mile on the air runner. I mean, I've run so bad. So I was like, 
but, but yes, so I, I <laughs> love it. And I'm looking forward to the next one. I think you're doing a 5k bike erg. Is that you? Yeah, I just shot. I mean, those aren't going to be personalized. Um, I wanted them to, but, you know, the team at Mayhem, they're like, hey, people sign up late and and we really want to do it on RPE. And so what I did is I shot video yesterday with Rich and I explained the purpose of these workouts and they're really good ones. Um, Rich is super excited about it because it falls in an area that he really likes, like he's you know i i don't know how he's going to do a 5k in seven and a half minutes but let's i'd like to see it oh shoot that's going to be awesome i'm excited I mean, rich rich is legit i mean it, oh god yeah he's he's the goat i don't care what anybody says he is hands down the one person in this sport where i don't yeah. want to pick him up because i could talk to you forever but like literally <laughs> he is my 100 percent if there is a picture of a champion and i get goosebumps yeah. when i say that because i don't know anybody I, I, yes, impressive athletes, Tia, uh, Matt, J- Justin, but like, I just feel like Rich Froning is the picture of what it looks like to be an athlete who has so much going on in his life, fulfilling, you know, yeah. not just, but, and that's why he is such a good athlete, you know? So, yeah. but yeah. He- I mean, and his level of fitness is, it's, I mean, he, 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 you know, when we did that mile for time last year, he ran 510. Jeez. 510. Crazy. I mean, that's where people don't, he's just so humble. He doesn't talk about it. He just goes out and executes it. And it's like, man, it's not, most people would get up on the highest mountain and just go, this is what I just did. And Rich is just like, ho-hum. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that. I'm, I'm very impressed. That's why when he, when he talks about something like this, I'm like, I need to be around for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, I so much appreciate your time today, Chris. Um, like you Thank have you. no idea how much this means to me. Like I said, you are probably one of the, I mean, the smartest people in this, in this sport. I think that even as an endurance athlete, you can help the strength community as well. Like, I just think that I, I learned a lot from mm-hmm. you, even myself. So I'm going to put together uh, just a couple of notes for people that are watching this to be able to use on zone two training, how you would program it. That's why I was writing some things down and also the pacing. Cause I think those are the two big things right now that people really could get the most value from to increase their fitness and, and honestly increase the recovery and increase so many things. So thank you so much. You're welcome. What I will do for you is I will, um, you can make it available to your, your listeners. I'm going to send you a Google doc and you can include the link Oh, awesome. To that doc. And in there will be where they could plug in their prior results um, and for rowing or running. And it will calculate their their speed for rowing or running at that easy zone two speed. So it. we were talking about heart rate, and that's easy to calculate. Maffetone, um, very easy that 180 minus your age, but the speed is the tricky one. And so what we can do for your, your listeners is, you know, maybe provide them this link and they could plug in their actual results and there's your actual real easy intensity. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Right, I'll send that to you today. All right. And I'll make sure that people know where they can find you aerobiccapacity.com mayhem athlete. And obviously, Chris Hinshaw, you have Hinshaw is your hot handle, but you also have an aerobic capacity handle on Instagram, correct? Yep. You have two. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. One's more personal stuff. I mean, with people that I work with, the other one's education. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time with me today. Um, Loved it. Awesome. I'll talk to yeah. you. Soon. <laughs> thank right. you, Cheryl. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.